Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm Davey. And I'm Aubrey, and we are so excited to welcome you to today's episode. Yeah. Davey, Claire Colwell I was, is our guest. Wow. I was so amazed by this story. Like it's This story <laughs> is wild it's and crazy. amazing. I don't want to ruin I, it too much, but I go thought, ahead. What were you going to say? I thought by doing this podcast that I had seen it all. I really, I yeah. really was like, nothing yeah. surprises me. When she tells her story, I'm like, What? Like, no, I, yes, I, I listened to this, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but I listened to your interviews with these guests Mm -hmm. in preparation for our time together. And I mean, I burst into tears when she talked about her story. It's so powerful. Mm. I don't, we will keep teasing it. I'm not going (laughs) to spoil it for you, but if you're what Claire Caldwell, she's a speaker, she's a pro-life activist. You'll see why as soon as you hear her story, she released a memoir memoir earlier this year called Mm. Survivor, an abortion survivor's surprising story of choosing forgiveness and finding redemption. And you are not that's not an appropriate world word, word surprising yeah. story. I mean, it really is. You're yeah. like, wait, what? It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. So it don't Google so her right powerful. now before you listen to this. Right. You need to listen before to her talk it. about it. It's crazy. Um, yeah, we want to encourage you to go and rate and review the podcast if you have not done that. It really is helpful to us. It would be a favor to us, but go and do that. But we also love to hear how this is ministering to you. And so do that right there where the review is just... Wouldn't it be awesome if Apple Podcast was populated by a bunch of stories of redemption because of how this podcast is Ooh, I love that thought. ministering That's to a, you. So speaking of, can I read a review that we have, David? Yes, I would love that. Okay. This is a five-star review, by the way, which I love. It says <laughs> my very favorite podcast. Here's what it says. I've been listening to this podcast for several years and just love it. Each episode is so gripping, and I love hearing how through the pain and agony and suffering each person has walked through, they share how the Lord has brought them through to a place of hope and healing. Mm. I have shared many episodes with friends that have walked through similar circumstances. It encourages me to continue to trust the Lord in new ways and to know that God is tenderly caring for me and can and will use my pain in ways I can't even imagine. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Wow, that's so man. I know it's amazing. So awesome. I love it. We would also love to invite you to stick around afterwards. Davey and I are going to talk about some of the things that God yep. showed us uh, through this interview. You're not going to want to miss that. So let's go ahead and take a listen to Davey's conversation with Claire Colwell. Claire, it's so great to have you joining me on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm a little bit bummed because right before we got on, you had this magnificent view of, where'd you say, Albuquerque, New Mexico? Is that where you are right now? I am. Yes, I am speaking here tonight. Well, that's so awesome. I'm so glad that you made some time for us to be able to do this. I know it's very tough, right? When you're on a, in a speaking engagement, your mind's starting to get tracked toward that. But thank you for carving out some time to have this conversation. I know it's going to be a very rich one. I know it's going to be an encouraging one and a challenging one for our, our community. And so, um, I would love for us to j- just to hear a little bit about you, um, just kind of what you do right now and, uh, what life is like. Tell us a little bit about Claire Caldwell before we kind of dive into your story and this message that you're carrying. Well, it's an honor to be able to share my testimony with uh, your audience. I am, uh, from Austin, Texas. Uh, my husband, David and I, live there. We have four children together. Um, I actually married into kids. I married a single dad who was doing it on his own. And so uh, I've raised his three children. And then we have one daughter um, that's eight together who feels left out that she's not adopted, that she doesn't have a birth mother. Um, And so... Life is good. My, uh, I grew up in Austin. My parents still live in Austin. I have a sister, uh, Rachel, who lives in California. Um, we are both adopted, which you'll hear some about. Yeah. Uh, but I, I tell people all the time, my first job is um, 
full-time taxi driver, full-time <laughs> laundry folder, uh, cook, all the things that a mom does. Uh, it's my greatest joy. I love every minute of it. Um, and my second job is uh, traveling the country to share my story. And so wow. I mainly uh, speak at fundraisers for nonprofits, for pregnancy resource centers and adoption agencies. Uh, but I also uh, speak at churches and other types of mm. uh, events as well. Wow. So that's a little bit about me and, and where I'm at today. Wow, that's incredible. Okay, all right. So here's the thing. Here's what's, uh, I, I've said this before to our listeners, but I don't even, I don't, we didn't talk about this beforehand, Claire. I on purpose don't dig into some people's, to people's stories too much before, because I want it to land on me uh, for the first time. I want it to hit me. Okay. There's some things that remarkably, the little bit that I know about your story and what you've just told me that has just profoundly landed on me. Um, and, and that is that we're, as we're going to talk about, you were adopted, right? And now you are you have essentially adopted someone else's kids. That's unbelievable. Talk about redemption right there. I'm sure that we're going to get into this with this conversation, but I just like, I had to note that from the outset that I'm sure there was some kind of thing that's birthed inside of you, almost this calling and this tug. And now you're taking on this responsibility to do for someone else, what someone did for you and just, wow, so cool. Okay. Let's dive into this. Cause, and now I also just realized there's a new, there's a nuance to this and that, you have stepped into kind of a blended family situation. So we're going to talk a little bit about that as well, if you're okay with that, to whatever degree Absolutely. you feel comfortable with. Why don't you go back, tell us a little bit about uh, just this, this, this profound thing that happened to you um, that, that now has birthed this, this message that you're carrying. Tell us a little bit about your story. Well, as I mentioned, my sister and I are both adopted. So um, that's kind of where... My story starts. Um, my sister and I are adopted from different birth mothers and uh, grew up in a Christian household. Our parents uh, were, have been in ministry for over 40 years. Uh, absolutely incredible upbringing, incredible parents. They weren't able to have children naturally. And so um, they say that adoption was the the other route if you can't have children naturally and so uh they they adopted children and uh i i think growing up you know we we knew like we were wanted chosen and loved i mm. i say those words to a people a lot because wow. it truly was a picture of my childhood like we didn't think anything of being adopted yeah. we actually remember like being in school and people being like, gosh, sorry that you're adopted. And we were like, wow. why? Yeah. You know, this is, this is yeah. our normal. We didn't get it. Um, I think it's because people had seen the movie Annie. And so mm. they, they kind of had this perception, you know, maybe adoption was negative or maybe our parents got us at an orphanage. That isn't our story. It is some people's story. But to us, we were like, why? Being mm. adopted is incredible. And we also knew that we had birth mothers, and we didn't know much about our birth mothers. The only thing I remember knowing was my birth mother was very young, my sister's birth mother was not, and my sister got cards from her birth mother every birthday, and I didn't. And I don't really remember how my parents explained that to us, like why she got cards and I didn't, yeah. but I just know I didn't, I didn't really think much of it. Mm -hmm. And so when my sister met her birth mother, when she was uh, 17, I was um, 19 or 20 at the time. That's when I first thought about my birth mother, because for the first time I laid eyes on my sister's birth mother and I realized, okay, this is a woman who gave me my sister who completed our family. What a gift she is. I was so incredibly thankful for her. Yeah for what she had done for us. And I knew that she could have raised my sister. She was 30 when she placed my sister for adoption. And so I knew like this, this is such a gift. Yeah. And that was the moment as I 
met my sister's birth mother, humanized my sister's birth mother, if, if you will, yeah. um, I, I actually started to think about my birth mother because I had the opportunity to thank my sister's birth mother for giving me my sister. Wow. And so I went home after meeting her and I said, okay, guys, I'd, I'd like to meet my birth mother. I'd like to at least thank her. Um, I wasn't looking for a mom. I, I didn't really know what it would mean for me. Um, I also didn't know what I would find out, but I knew that she, if she was anything like my sister's birth mother, that she deserved to hear, thank you. Yeah. Like, thank you for what you've done for me. Yeah. My life has been incredible because of you. Mm-hmm. And so I called my adoption agency and this is the crazy part. I called my adoption agency. A woman named Debbie answered the phone and I told her who I was. I told her I wanted to hopefully meet my birth mother. And she said, Claire, I'm actually staring at your baby picture on my desk. I've had it here for 21 years. And she wow. said, your life was such a miracle. Um, your birth mother loved you very much. I, uh, your birth mother was 13 years old when she lived here, when she was pregnant with you. And, um, you know, she, she just was, I don't know. She was really discreet about why she had my baby picture on her desk. And, um, just a few months later after she called me and after we reunited, my birth mother and I had this incredible reunion. I found out why she had my baby picture on her desk for 21 years. And my birth mother told me this. And this is the most painful um, moment of my birth mother's life. The most shocking moment of my life was the moment that I thanked my birth mother for giving me my life, just like my sister's birth mother had given her her life. And my birth mother said, Claire, I didn't. And she broke down into tears and and said, I actually had an abortion while I was pregnant with you. And she said, they told me that my life would go back to normal, that they had solved my problem, but my life never went back to normal. And uh, she described being 13, being, being scared, her mother telling her that there was only one choice for her, um, calling her every name that you can think of telling her that uh, she was going to shut up about it, that no one was going to know. And that's what happened until she met me 21 years later when she told me that when she had her abortion, I was actually a twin and that I had successfully survived her abortion that aborted my twin. And she said, that's why you had these physical complications because I was born at 30 weeks. I I had a dislocated hip and club feet and uh, just just lots of complications. I still have a lot of uh, things today. Doctors say that, you know, my body remembers, my mind remembers the trauma, Mm. uh, just like any other trauma. It will stick with me for the rest of my life. It will affect me in some way. I'm I'm uncovering that as I as I grow up, as I've become a mother, as I've looked back on my life, you know, the trauma of of my birth, of being unwanted, rejected, and aborted is is real. And so you could say this was this was my biggest fear um, and also my the most shocking moment of my life, one of the most painful moments of my life as I realized that what I believed about myself um, maybe wasn't true, you know? Wow. And so um, for the past 12 years, I've, I've spent that time telling my story because I believe that God is good and he has brought something good out of something that's evil, something that's very hurtful, mm-hmm. a really, really hard truth about myself that I am at, I never imagined I would hear. So it's, Whew. yeah, it's been a journey for sure. Wow. Well, I'm just, I mean, I'm amazed, you know, I've never heard a story before of someone who has quote unquote cheated in abortion. You know, I mean, this is, this is unique. This is, and so unique that, you know, even if I can just take a moment, I know that, that, that the Lord has really spoken to you. I'm sure about this, but just about how purposed you are, how destined you are. Right. I mean, you are like, 
I mean, I'm, I, I'm amazed right now, honestly, Claire. Um, Thanks. My, when I uh, found this out, my parents uh, were the first people I called. And I was sitting in this room that after everyone had gone to bed and my birth mother had just told me that I survived her abortion. And I called them and my parents were like, Claire. God's fingerprints are all over this. And something that stuck with me uh, that my dad said right away was, imagine what God could do if you're willing to be used for good. Imagine what God could do if you don't allow this to define you because your circumstances don't define you. What defines you is what we've told you all your life, that you're wanted, chosen, and loved. Not that you survived an abortion. Not that you have these... Uh, had these disabilities or have these chronic pain issues or have this trauma from your past, not that you were unwanted, rejected, and aborted by your birth mother and her mother and her family. What defines you is what God says about you. So imagine what he could do if you're willing to allow him to work in your life, to allow him to proclaim victory over these things that have happened to you. And that really, really hit me because I was an introvert and I was like, no way, God's not going to use me in this way. You know, I'm not going to go talk about this or, or um, I don't know, talking about trauma, talking about yeah. God turning something good from something evil and hurtful is so scary. It's something yeah. that people um, have a hard time grasping, you know, can, can God be good in our, in our suffering? Like, like you talk about so often. And so, um, I'll never forget that, that he said that because I think it, it pointed me towards God in a trajectory of, okay, there, I, I get to choose how I respond to this. And I get to choose if I allow God to work in my life through this. Wow. Hey friends, we know that many people are struggling as we head into the holidays and that during seasons of suffering, money can be a big factor that hinders people from receiving the help that they need for their pain. In honor of Giving Tuesday next week, we want to encourage you to check out how you can give directly to fund someone else to receive pain to purpose coaching at no or at least a discounted cost to them. We have pain to purpose certified guides who have experienced pain and healing themselves have gone through our pain to purpose certification process and who are now coaching people through the pain to purpose course to help them navigate the minefields of their healing journey. We match people to our certified guides based on the areas of pain they've experienced because we believe there is power in shared experiences. These guides are ready to help this holiday season, but not everyone that needs that help has the money to get the help. So if you go to nothingiswasted.com donate, you can select from the drop-down menu, Pain to Purpose Course slash Coaching Scholarship Fund. Again, that's Pain to Purpose Course slash Coaching Scholarship Fund as an option for your giving amount. This sends your donation straight to our fund where people who need coaching but can't afford it can receive coaching from one of our certified guides for free or at a discount. This is an incredible way to donate this Giving Tuesday to people who are seeking help for their pain. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash donate to make a tax-deductible donation of any amount that will be designated to our coaching scholarship fund. Yeah, this can be a very unnerving calling that you've been thrust into, you know, um, I can, I can imagine why you would be reluctant to go into it, especially with today's climate surrounding this topic of abortion. There's so much political conversation, so many other agendas that are involved, um, which, you know, I want to talk about that in just, just a second, but before we kind of skip ahead to that, I I really want to lean in on something that you said about this, this trauma that your body is remembering that was basically, I mean, it's essentially womb trauma and trauma at birth, I think we're just now over the past decade, maybe, maybe a little bit longer, 15 years, uncovering some of the science around our brain and the effects on our body. And there's so much more conversation about that now than there was 10 years ago. 
but it's still uncharted territory in a lot of ways. And so I've not really had a conversation with somebody who experientially is learning and parsing out and untangling womb trauma. Can you kind of give us some insight into that? Um, maybe what are the doctors telling you? What are you experiencing? What is, how have you started to untangle some of that trauma? Yeah. So I was, uh, when my birth mother had her abortion, um, she was around five months pregnant with me. Mm. And so the type of abortion that was performed on my twin and that was meant to take my life to end my life is a DNA abortion, which is a dismemberment abortion. Mm. So essentially, you know, what we know about babies at that gestational age is they're, they're pretty aware. Um, they can feel, they can hear, they respond to, to touch, to movement, to pain. Um, they can suck their thumb, they're dreaming, they have all their organs. And so I saw, um, what I believe I saw my twin's body being torn apart limb by limb. That's, that's what this type of abortion is. And the sack that I was in was ripped during her abortion. And so, um, potentially I was fighting for my life. I was in this fight or flight mode. And so, uh, what doctors believe is that womb trauma, um, can, can last throughout your life. Any trauma can send someone's body into fight or flight mode, but yeah. especially from those formative years in the womb and those first couple years of life. Yeah. Um, if your body's in this constant state of fight or flight, uh, fearful for its life, trying to stay alive, that can affect the rest of your life. And so then I was born and I had, uh, a dislocated hip and I had club feet and then I was in body casts until I was two years old. And so, um, and I was left alone in the hospital for two months until my uh, parents adopted me. And so all of those things combined, uh, can affect somebody for the rest of their life. And so I actually respond to, um, fear, pain, uh, just, uncertainty, so many different things in the form of body pain. And so I have uh, some autoimmune type responses. And so that's been interesting because I didn't realize, you know, how many, how many things and how my body reacts is related to that. Um, I told my husband recently that I'm always surprised every single year I speak about 20 to 30 times. And so I'm traveling a lot. I'm, uh, but that's all I do. You know, I, I I travel 30 times a year, and then I'm at home. But when I'm home, I'm literally trying to recover, recover. Yeah. from what I've put my body through by just wow. getting up, going to the airport, sitting on a plane, yeah. speaking in front of an audience, and going home, and then doing the same thing the next week. Yeah. And I'm always surprised how I can't function like someone like a normal person does. I don't know why I'm always surprised. And so as I've grown up, I've realized how many of these things that I experience are related to the trauma at birth and related to my fight yeah. or flight response. Wow, man, that's, that's so, it's so insightful. And yet my heart is just, I'm, I'm breaking and I'm honored, right? At the same time, I'm like, my heart is breaking for you that you're undergoing this every single time, you know, I travel and speak as well. And so, you know, just trying to put myself in your shoes and the, what you have to go through to, to recover from these speaking engagements. And yet I'm so, I'm just, I mean, I'm in awe that you do this and that you continue to put yourself in that kind of a mode, knowing the ramifications that you're going to feel later, but because you're on this mission, because you have this, holy discontent, this thing that you're carrying, um, to fight for the, in, you know, against the injustices that, that are going on right now. And, um, wow, just, you know, you mentioned too, that there was some emotional trauma within that as well. Or I have to imagine that, you know, when you, even though your parents really kind of try to speak that truth into you, was there some stuff there once you discovered this reality um, was there some stuff that you had to wrestle through uh, emotionally? I mean, 
this, this totally upended everything. You, you know, as you said, everything that I believed about myself and about my existence and what this has now shaken that. Talk to me about how you work through that. Absolutely. I think it was, it was really confusing yeah. is, is the word I want to use. I, I was never angry at my birth mother. I understood that she was 13 years old. I knew that God, um, well, God really did give me a heart of forgiveness towards her in the moment that she shared about her abortion with me. Um, but the best way I could describe it is, is incredibly confusing because here I was someone who had never really thought about the the issue of abortion, um, learning that I was unwanted, rejected, and aborted, learning that I uh, was living in a time where nobody wanted me to exist, nobody wanted my story to be true because yeah. it exposed yeah. the the falseness of their narrative, the right. reality of, of the humanity of the unborn child, the reality that women are deeply hurt by yeah. abortion. I mean, I was... I was living in a time where where I was being told that my story was political when when I mean gosh it's just it's, it's just my experience right. it's personal yeah and so I think that's that's what's been you know emotionally hard for me is yeah. is it just feels like I'm on this roller coaster of emotions of trying to fight for someone like my birth mother yeah. trying to to just give give women give give my children what my birth mother didn't have not even thinking about it as a political issue but i take so much heat and right. and hatred right. for it right. and so that's that's been um you know the emotionally challenging part is is bearing the weight of that mm -hmm. and then also because i've chosen to share my story um i hear thousands and thousands and thousands of yes. stories every single time I go somewhere, every single time right. I'm on a program like this of, of women and men and, and children um, or, or families who reach out to me and say, I too regret my abortion, or this is how I was traumatized by this, or um, just, it, it, that's just a whole nother right. weight. Right. that I, that I carry. And so, um, the other way I think that it, it has affected me emotionally is the aspect of being a twin. You know, I've, I've wrestled with why me, why not my twin? Why yeah. did I survive? Why did yeah. my twin lose its life? Um, and, and I could just wrestle with that all right. day long. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I have to know and trust that God God knew it was best and that he wrote my story perfectly. And wow. so um, I'll never have any. Well, one day in heaven, yeah. I'll ask him, hopefully. Yeah. But um, on this side of heaven, I won't have that answer. And right. I've I've just had to learn to be OK with that and be able to trust. Man, you know, what came to mind as you're talking, Claire, is you're you're like an archetype of Esther. Have you ever thought of that? I was just, I'm thinking about it, right? Think about Esther's life. She was chosen for a time such as this, you know, called destined into this like really prominent seat. And yet something occurred that was very personal to her, right? The threat of the extinction of her people. And it was just a political move for someone else. And yet, so here she is caught in the like crossfires of that. And she's fighting for the freedom and the salvation of her people. And, um, I don't know, that just kind of hit me that it just seems like you're like, you have been called and raised up and destined for a time such as this, because this is a very hot button issue. It's on the forefront of so much political conversation. And yet, just as you said, this is a very personal thing for you. And I don't know if any well, there's, there's probably very few people that could with as much, um, personal experience and be able to expose the real issues, um, with abortion, you know, and kind of dis like just kind of debunk a lot of the political rhetoric around it all, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, it's, it's been interesting. I've, I've had quite a lot of experience, um, 
talking about this um, in a political way just because I've had to because right. if I if I want to reach women like my birth mother I have to go where they are yeah and um, I don't know just what you were talking about made me think about the when I go in, into a crowd and I'm uh, talking like maybe at a rally or at a political yeah. event or at um, a press conference for a bill where there's people that agree with me and people who don't. Yeah. And, and not just are, agree with you and don't, but like polarizing. Mm-hmm. Polarizing. Right? That's like what you're stepping into every time. Yeah. Screaming, screaming, chanting, um, holding up signs that it's, it's my body, my choice. Yeah. Um, you know, you should have been thrown in the dumpster with the, the other baby body parts. Like, I mean, just wow. horrific stuff that, that I never knew even existed until I, I walked this path. And what I've learned is that yes, it's viewed, viewed as a political issue, but this is personal for every single one of us, every single person that comes out there that is um, either clapping in agreement with me or is shouting in disagreement with me, it's it's coming from a personal place. And I, I can honestly look at, at both sides and see the pain of abortion, the pain of what it's done to us. And you're either, you've either healed from it and, and you've decided, okay, I'm, I, I trust what, what Claire trusts in the God that redeems and restores and forgives. And I can walk in freedom because of that, or you, you justify what you've done and you're, you're so deeply hurt that you have to shout so that you don't have to go to that place and face what you've experienced. Mm. And, and so I've, I've learned that yes, it's, it's a political issue, but it comes from this place of, of hurt on both sides. And yeah. so every single person that's shouting at me, I just see my birth mother in them. And wow. it makes me want to continue because I can't count the the times uh, that I have, have walked away from an event and someone has either come up to me or emailed me afterwards and said, you know, I came in protest of that. Um, but I heard your story and I can't even argue anymore. Like I want what you have. I want what your birth mother has. I want to walk in that freedom. Yeah. I explained to you before we went on air about our, our community platform and we have groups that, you know, interact and and have conversations there. And one of our most prominent ones is abortion, regret and recovery. And so, you know, I know experientially that there are so many women who, have walked through that and, and are wanting to find healing from that. Uh, what, what's your experience? Cause I think the, the narrative says that that's not the case, at least the, from a political perspective, you know, um, but you're experiencing so many who are, who are looking for that, but maybe you're, are silenced or feel very uh, full of shame too much. So that they can't, they don't feel like they can step up and, and, you know, ask for help. Can you talk to me a little bit about your experience with that? Women do regret their abortions. Um, I have somebody come up to me in the audience of every event I go to with tears in their eyes um, saying, I haven't shared this with anyone. It's been 15 years, 20 years on average uh, for women to, to face what they have done, face what they've experienced, and seek out some type of healing. A lot of women don't. And, you know, something I learned early on when I, after I met my birth mother and learned that I was the type of person who'd been affected by abortion, an abortion survivor, a unique way of being affected by abortion, but um, still a very traumatic way to be affected, was that um, I didn't know where to turn. Mm. I mean, I... I went home. I, I knew I could talk with my family. I knew my parents would support me. My sister would support me. Um, but the the people in the pews of my churches, the pastor, uh, my community, my extended family, did I know that I could turn to them in, in this moment where everything was crashing down around me as I learned that I had been affected by abortion? No, yeah. I didn't. 
And I think it's because of what you just said. There is so much shame um, and apathy and silence from people in the church, people like my family that never talked about abortion until we learned that we had been affected by it, people in our church. In fact, I had never heard about it from the pulpit of my church, from my pastor, from my my youth pastor. Nobody yeah. um, had, had really had a conversation with me about this. Yeah. And I realized... Um, that if I didn't have somewhere to go, if I if I didn't know that I had somewhere to go, that women like my birth mother absolutely didn't know where to go. Because mm. through our apathy and silence as as the church, as believers, or or even outside as people of of morality, um, through our silence, we were we were communicating to women like my birth mother that there is no place for you. There is no forgiveness for you. There is no mercy and grace for you. Um, you should be ashamed. You know, you you are rejected here. And meanwhile, the the abortion industry was over here. Um, Planned Parenthood and and other. Other abortion providers are over here screaming, we're here for you. We can solve your problem. You know, wow. you can come to us. And so I learned that that women like my birth mother are, are silently suffering in the pews of our churches or yeah. silently suffering in our families and our neighborhoods and our communities because of our apathy, yeah. our silence, and, and the message that we're communicating to them because of that. And so that's one of the reasons that I um, share my story, that I wrote my my book, Survivor, is because I want women like my birth mother to know that there is a place for you. You are absolutely welcome when you experience an unplanned pregnancy, that there are people like us that want to walk alongside you. But also, um, when you have experienced or have chosen to have an abortion and you deeply regret that, that there is a home for you yeah. um, here with, with people like us in our churches, in our communities, in our families, because there is something called mercy and there is yeah. something called grace and there is forgiveness for those who place their trust in Christ. And wow. so um, it's it's been incredible as I've, I've been able to share my story because women so often come up to me and they say, gosh, I, I realized that if you could forgive your birth mother, um, maybe my child could forgive me. But also wow. if, if you're saying that God could forgive your birth mother, yeah. maybe God could forgive me wow. and, and he, he wants to, and he will. Wow, that's amazing. You're basically acting as kind of a stand-in for so many of these these countless women who have aborted their their children, but you're saying, "Hey, I'm take me as representative. You know, I I am I am forgiving and walking in forgiveness with my birth mother and um and you can walk in that same forgiveness, that experience of forgiveness. That's amazing. I'm really curious as to have there been some arenas that uh, have you been surprised by the arenas that would open their doors to you to come and share and surprised by the different arenas or in institutions that would close their doors and say, no, you can't. Yeah, I'm, maybe you, maybe you're not, but I'm just curious about that. Yes. So when I learned, when I started sharing my story, what I realized was that um, the Catholic church, people that I did not grow up, knowing anything about, I, I really had, I maybe had one Catholic friend in, in high yeah. school, but um, just really di didn't know many Catholics, uh, that they were ready to welcome me in. Wow. But, but churches, like evangelical churches that I grew up in, uh, were, were too afraid to lose members of their congregation before wow. they opened up this door and, and spoke about these things. I think that over the past 12 years since I met my birth mother and since I've been sharing my story, that we have made some improvements. And yeah. I think that, you know, there's kind of no way around it right now. People are talking about it, but it's still not um, where it needs to be. And yeah. so I, I have been surprised uh, just by that contrast because I had no idea um, what we were missing in our churches, who we weren't ministering to in our churches. 
um, and the healing that that really needed to take place amongst people like me. Wow. And yeah. so that was that was shocking. Um, I've also uh, been been shocked that I've been led into some colleges and uh, school systems to talk about these types of things. I'll I'll give you an example, actually, of a juvenile detention center. Mm. I don't know if I've ever uh, shared about this much, but I had the opportunity maybe 10 years ago to go into a juvenile detention center and sit down with uh, whoever came. They they got, I don't know if it was like community service hours or they got some type of, they were earning points, yeah, you know, yeah. for something for coming to this. And so I uh, sat down with this group. Only five young men, teenage boys, showed up. And mm. so here I am, like 22 or 23-year-old yeah. girl, um, talking to, to five six, 15, 16, 17-year-old boys and thinking, why am I even here? Like, this isn't going to yeah. go anywhere. Um, but what happened was I shared my testimony. We were just sitting in these chairs. And so I just talked to them like I'm talking to you right now. And every single one of them said, Claire, I took my girlfriend to have an abortion. Every single one of them. Wow. And so, yeah, the, the places that I have been most surprised that, that they let me in are where God has, has worked and moved. And I I guess it's, it's because he knows better. I'm surprised, but he knew that's exactly where I needed to be. Wow. Hey, Nothing is Wasted family. By now, I hope you've heard us talk about the Pain to Purpose devotional. It was released back in August of this year. Let me tell you, it was an absolute labor of love for me. I wrote it as a resource that I wish I had when I was working through my own pain valley. Well, for a limited time from November 26th through November 29th, so that's Black Friday weekend, we're doing a special promo just in time for the holiday season, which is what many would consider to be the hardest time of the year in grief. After my late wife, Amanda, was killed, I went through a season where I felt like God was speaking to me in profound ways. Right after tragedy, he often shows up and he carries you in grace and reveals to you more of the mysteries of himself than ever before. But I had a hunch that a dry season was coming for me. I knew enough about following Jesus to know that things ebb and flow like that, and I knew I'd want to draw from these truths again. So I decided to write everything down that I was learning. And then I found myself sharing these insights so much with people we were helping and coaching that I decided to create a resource that would lead people into the aha moments I experienced through God's Word, particularly pertaining to pain and trauma. That's what the Pain to Purpose devotional is all about. It's a 42-day journey that will bless people in your life that could use some hope. Maybe that person is you. Here's the deal. From November 26th through November 29th only, you can buy four devotionals and get one free. This way, you can get a whole stack of them and hand them out as gifts to your small group at church, your family members who are going through a hard time, a coworker that needs some hope, or really anyone who's trying to find purpose through their pain. Mark your calendars for November 26th and head to paintopurposedevo.com. Again, that's paintopurposedevo.com to get this amazing offer in this short window of time. Help us spread the hope of purpose and pain that only Jesus can give this holiday season. You know, I'm really curious as to the journey between this moment of discovery and then the decision to share your story. You know, is that one of those things that was like, certainly it wasn't overnight, but what happened in between that? What, what caused you to go, you know, uh, I, having a little bit of fear and trepidation about this idea of like stepping into this space to no, I'm, I'm going to share my story. Maybe two months or so before I met my birth mother and found out this shocking news, I uh, was going to school. I was studying to be a nurse. That was my mm-hmm. plan uh, for my yeah. life. 
and I would drive past this Planned Parenthood in College Station, Texas. Have you seen the movie Unplanned? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's the the Planned Parenthood that Abby Johnson right. ran, and um, if you haven't seen Unplanned, uh, it's about uh, Abby who ran an abortion clinic for eight years, yeah. saw an ultrasound guided abortion, and saw what it did to the baby. Um, how it how it took the baby's life and she walked away and she is the most influential person in the pro-life movement um, talk about God turning something evil into something right. good she right. has exposed more than anyone else and yeah. so and she also wrote um, the forward was, of your book right she did yes. yes yes she's a good so cool. friend of mine and so uh, I would drive past this clinic on my way to school on my way to work I had no idea that Planned Parenthood was our nation's largest abortion provider mm. and so I would drive past it and I would see people out there and they I didn't know what they were doing but they were standing there in front of this clinic like maybe praying, maybe staring at it. I, I kind of thought they were crazy. Yeah. And so one day I stopped and asked them what they were doing. And they told me that they were there praying, that they were there because they believed women deserved better than abortion, that they knew what abortion did to an unborn child. And they were there to walk alongside these women, give them resources, send them to places like pregnancy resource centers, uh, because every every woman deserved better than abortion, and every child was created in the image of God with a purpose. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I, I agree with that. I'm adopted, but I, I never imagined that I would go back to those people. But mm. afterwards, um, after, I, after I met my birth mother, I knew where I had to go. Yeah. And I went back to those people. And I told them what I had found out. And, of course, they cried. And uh, they actually introduced me to Abby that day because she had left her job at that Planned Parenthood two weeks before that. And so um, I walked in, this this young 21-year-old college student, not, not having watched the news because who does that in college? Right. I didn't. Right. And not having known that Abby had left her job. And so I walked in met her and Abby was her her story had gone all over the news Planned yeah. Parenthood had sued her after she left her job and so Abby's story was all over the news we became friends um the most unlikely of friends by the way only God can do that wow. and I watched as she was obedient um to what God asked her to do she was given opportunities to um, share her story, to share her experience, um, to share what God had done in her life. And she was willing to do it no matter the cost, no matter what people said about her. She was willing to go to the ends of the earth and tell what God had done and tell the truth mm. about abortion that he had revealed to her through that ultrasound guided abortion. And so, um, that was in October, and um, she was going to be speaking at this youth conference in December of that year. And this little group, this Coalition for Life that leads the prayer movement outside of that uh, abortion facility said, Hey, Claire, why don't you tell your story? Abby's mm. going to tell her story. Um, why don't you tell your story at this this youth event? It'll be like 50 youth no big deal, but just imagine the impact that, yeah. that you could make by just exposing the humanity of the unborn through your existence, through right. your humanity. And I wanted to say no. Um, <laughs> I, I'm an introvert. I, I never imagined yeah. that I would, I would share my story. Um, but I... I said yes. I said yes. I do it, and so it was. It was uh, from May when I found out to October when I met the people who who introduced me to people who wanted to hear my story to December of that same year. So wow. what is that? Seven months wow. after I I found out. Yeah. And so I I shared my story that first time. Um, saw the light bulbs go off in these kids' heads as they 
humanize the unborn child as they empathize with the woman like my birth mother who who felt like she had no other choice, who was desperately looking for someone to stand yeah. up for her and tell her that she was worth it. I mean, it was it was absolutely incredible. I never wow. imagined that God could bring something so incredibly healing and good out of the most traumatic moment of my birth mother's life and the most shocking and and probably most traumatic moment of of my life. But but he showed me that day. And so um, I said, okay, God, if if you open the doors, I'll I'll walk through them, but don't open too many. <laughs> and uh, he, it's been about thirty a year. I I actually uh, stopped going to school because I couldn't go to nursing school oh, wow. and speak. And um, here we are, twelve years later. I I haven't stopped, and um, it's it's been good. Wow, that's awesome. And how providential of the Lord, and how in His kindness to prepare you, you know, before you're about to hear this, this life altering news where he just is dropping these seeds, you know, of, of, uh, just these little like breadcrumbs. It feels like to say, Hey, this is where I'm taking you on your journey, man. So, wow. He did. And you know, one of the comments that I get most about my book is about my parents mm -hmm. and just how God like literally handpicked my parents for me yeah. to to raise me. I mean, here my mom was um, longing for a child and and crying out to God for a child, and He didn't give her one through through her own body. Yeah. Um, but He spared my life and gave her this this child, this unwanted, rejected, aborted child, to wow. be the most wanted, loved child that that there ever could be. At least that's what they told me all my life, and. Um, they raised me to know who I was and, yeah. and I was secure in who I was when I met my birth mother. And I think that, um, the credit goes to my parents, um, for how I was able to respond because I, I, I really didn't have anger. I, wow. my birth mothers told me over and over and over again that she fully expected me to run out of the room and never look back and never want to speak to her again, um, probably because that's how the people in her life always yeah. had responded uh, to anything that ever happened. But I, I embraced her. I held her as she cried. I told her I forgave her instantly, and I really did because of how I was raised yeah. and I was so secure in knowing that this was my opportunity to show my birth mother a glimpse of his love and his forgiveness for her because I had witnessed that glimpse. I had, I had benefited from that same glimpse of yeah. love and forgiveness through my parents and wow. how I was raised. It's amazing. And being a conduit of, of God's grace and God's forgiveness and um, that changes lives. It doesn't matter all the political rhetoric that's going on. When they see the person of Jesus being lived out through someone's life, it changes things. It's like what you said. It brings humanity back into focus, you know? Um, wow. So you've written this book, Survivor. And uh, my, you know, I guess my, my last question is we kind of close this down and you get off to this speaking engagement. Um, what what do you hope for for the reader? You know, as they're diving into this book, what what's your what's your heart's cry for their experience? I do hope that uh, the people who pick this up will um, be able to to hear the truth about abortion, what it is, what it does, um, and and just hear my my testimony, my birth mother's testimony, and realize that it's the it's the same testimony. We cry the same tears as as women and men who regret their abortion, and families um, across this country. We all cry the same tears. Yeah. Um, but I also hope that that people realize that uh, God wants to walk alongside us through uh, our pain, mm -hmm. through the unfortunate things that happen to us, through our difficult circumstances, or when things feel disappointing in our life, yeah. um, because God goes before us, and He knows right. what's best for us, and He wants 
to, to dig his way into the trenches with us and walk alongside us. And all we have to do is, is be willing to let him do that. Mm. Um, and so I hope that it's, it's a, a comforting and encouraging book for people, even though my story is, is one that's hard to, to hear. It's hard to read. It's hard to grasp. I mean, every day I'm like, is this, is this really my story? You know, did I really survive an abortion? Am I really a twinless twin? Um, because of the greatest political debate of, of our time. Um, but I, I, I just hope that it points people to, who God says about them um, and that he wants to know them and redeem and restore their life and that the forgiveness that my birth mother found and um, that I found and that my parents taught me about that it is available for every single person that picks up this book. Wow, man. So amazing, Claire. This has been such an honor to be able to hear your story and have this conversation with you. And uh, I want to make sure that our listeners can Tune into the things that you're doing. So where, where can they follow you? Yeah, thanks so much. And and if anything I've said has, has touched you or impacted your heart in any way, I would love to be a support to you. And um, you can feel free to reach out to me as well. Uh, I am on social media at Claire Colwell, and my website is clairecolwell.com. Wow, that's awesome. Well, Claire, uh, I'm amazed by you. I'm proud of you. Uh, keep fighting the good fight and keep carrying this message. It's absolutely needed and you are being Jesus to so many people. So thank you for what you're doing. Thank you so much for having me. Aubrey. Davey. <laughs> we don't was, even have words. We're both no. like, Ugh! Well, what's crazy so is powerful. I was texting with Claire after the conversation. She was going off to this event that she was doing, um, which I'm so grateful that she gave us the time right before going and doing this event, right? This pro-life event. And I'm texting Amazing. with her and we're like, we're, we're realizing all of these different people that we know and that we're connected to as well. Oh, cool. And yet so we had never met each other and we're like, wow, in the world, this is, oh, you, you're connected to this person too. In fact, she was going to this event that our certified guide, uh, or <gasps> one of our certified guides for abortion, regret and recovery was at that event as well. No way. And so I'm like, oh, tell Serena that I said, Hey, you know, and it's just, it was wild. That is so, was wild. so cool. You yeah. want to go ahead and uh, just well, tell yeah, our I'll listeners go ahead and, about Serena? Absolutely. So we have, if you are, if you are currently walking through something like this, you, you know, you've, um, you know, you've had an abortion or you've experienced, uh, you know, you're in this realm somehow. We have groups online on our community platform. One is specifically, it is probably our most robust group. Uh, it, it, it is for abortion, regret and recovery and is led by mm. Serena Dykeson and Deb Beers, who are also certified guides for us. So they're able to coach women who are experiencing regret from having an abortion, um, or mm. trying to find healing, you know, from that spiritually and emotionally. So they can coach you one-on-one, uh, as well. Yeah. And so, and, and here's what they've told me. This is what's really crazy is I have conversations with Serena and with Deb. They say, Davey. This issue, it, it, it just c- confirms what Claire's talking about. This issue is so, uh, it's, it's, it's so almost private of an issue, you know, because yeah. the church is not allowing space to talk about mm. this, that mm. people are coming. She said, women are coming in droves out of the woodwork wow. to our community platform to connect wow. with Deb and to connect with Serena and to connect with others because they can't find that solidarity anywhere else. Mm. And I think mm. that's, you know, wonderful that we have that platform for people to go to. It's a shame and a travesty that that is the case when it comes to the church. That's what I'm sitting here thinking. I mean, and I, you know, and I'm, look, I'm putting the microscope or the magnifying glass at myself, like saying this, I don't know when I've ever preached a a sermon and then specifically at the end said something like, and if you're, you know, whacking with abortion regret or, Mm. you know, I, you know, I don't know that I've ever even done that. And that is a shame. I mean, that is really, this is, uh, the church should really be at the forefront of this. And um, I don't just mean 
be at the fo- forefront of pro-life movement. Right. I think that's certainly part yeah, of it. What I mean quote, is unquote, ministering to women. a great women. job of that, right? Almost right, right. Sometimes right. not a great job, but... Not a great job of that. Right. But we are, I would say, across the board, mm. failing at ministering to women who have abortion regret and pain. Yeah. Because we're not talking about what yeah. does that say, Davy? This is maybe. I mean, this episode for me was a real wake up call. <sighs> like, you know, thinking about Claire's birth mom. Yeah. And the fact that she she didn't have somebody that she could go mm. to that her own mom shamed her into getting an abortion. And man, it's it's mm. generations later, and have we improved? Yeah, it's almost like we as a church, as as believers, we have taken the battle only to the political front. Yeah. And we've not fought this battle mm. on the spiritual front. And the spiritual front is really where the enemy is 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 winning the war because he's paralyzing so many with this shame and this regret and this so this hiddenness and this covering and Yeah. Yeah. And um you know, I I just want to encourage everybody who is listening to this if you if you have had an abortion um you know, we would love to walk with you. Mm. It would be our, our greatest joy and our greatest honor to do that. And we have very well-equipped, very, very tender, compassionate people um, who love the Lord and it can do that and, and they can walk with you. Um, and so, man, I'm just sorry for how the church has, has treated you up to yeah. this point. If that's yeah. your, if that's your experience. Oh, uh, you know, the other thing that this really kind of reminded me of, it was so clear when I was having this conversation with Claire, I mean, so clear that God has destined her to be here on earth for a time such as this. I mean, like miraculously clear. <laughs> there's, yes. There's no so other clear. explanation, right? Like yeah. she quote unquote cheated death. Right. Right. I mean, and, and so she's here and she is using this, she's leveraging this miracle as a mission field. Okay. But she is kind of the hyperbolic uh, example of what every single one of us should be. Oh, right? wow. Yeah. Because that's, we, that's so interesting. we're here, mm-hmm. right? You have breath in your lungs, mm. which means you have a unique and distinct calling and purpose mm. for being here on earth. And I know for a fact that there are people who are listening to this and you're questioning that and you're wondering, yeah. And you're going That's so yeah. that's so helpful, Davey, because I, I think you're right. So I didn't mean to cut you off, but no. you're right. Like there are people sitting okay. here listening and wondering and, and saying her calling is so obvious, yeah. right? And and my life may feel mundane yeah. or just very average, if not boring, compared to that. How do I know that I'm destined for anything, that right. I purposed for anything? So I think the call that you're giving to our listeners right now is so true and biblical because you're here, because you've been created in the image of God, because you have breath in your lungs. God has you here on purpose, for purpose. There's dignity for you. There's destiny for you. There's delight for you. And, um, you know, how, how do you discover what that is? I think only by seeing, like looking back on your life and seeing what the Lord has done and what the Lord has already put in your hands. And then, you know, and I would say, I would say chase that, find what that, what you're destined for. Find those little distinctions about you, even if they seem like they are a, a disadvantage or or such. You know what some mm. what the world would define as not necessarily this unique, attractive part of you. I mean, go and read yeah. Judges chapter three, uh, the story of Ehud. This is oh, a very right. obscure story, but it's fascinating because Ehud's a left-handed man, and back then it was not okay to be left-handed, right? Left-handed. It right. was not okay, but he was somehow maybe maimed in his right hand. And so, but the story unfolds in such that it was because he was left-handed that he was able to accomplish a task on behalf of God and his people to rescue them from the oppression of of a of a of a foreign nation, of an oppressive king. Amazing. And Amazing. it was only because he was left-handed, only because of the blight that society had put on him or said, "Hey, mm. you're never going to be you're never going to be anything, but he learned how to mm. fight with his left hand. So he was able to conceal his weapon while he walked through the security of this oppressive King. And then he, with his left hand, plunged his sword into this King and he was able to free God's people. Like that's a powerful story that God oh, awesome. used his distinction. And I, every one of us has that. 
And God wants to leverage that for mission, for ministry, for helping other people find that, find that. Just chase those breadcrumbs. You're here for a purpose. That's so good. Well, if you want to learn more about how God may have purposed you, we would love to invite you to check out our Pain to Purpose course. Uh, It's available for both churches and individuals. You can hire a certified guide, someone who is just a compassionate guide to walk you through your own pain point. Or like we talked about before, um, there are community groups to walk you specifically if you're if you're dealing with abortion regret or, or woundedness in that area or all kinds of pain points. We've got community groups available for you. You can find all of our resources at nothingiswasted.com. Yeah. You can also uh, follow along on a lot of different um, avenues. You can subscribe to our email list at our website. You can um, get, you'll get updates and uh, podcast releases, giveaways, blog posts, all kinds of different things that are going on. And then you can follow us at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. You can follow me at Davey Blackburn and follow Aubrey at Obsamp. And we would love to thank Sleeping At Last for providing all the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Go and listen to this music. Um, recently, Aubrey, I've been listening to it a lot. I don't know why. Maybe it's just... That time that of year. Time of I don't know. year that time of year. Kind of darker outside. Yeah. You need that kind of reflective. Mood music. Okay. I don't know. Very reflective. That's yeah. right. All right. Next week, we Ooh. have an incredible guest. <laughs> yes, our we do. Our very own podcast producer, oh, Ms. Man. Taylor Carlier, is going to be on the show. I'm so excited about this. Talking about her, her story of yeah. pain to purpose. And yeah. you are not going to want to miss that. So let's go ahead and take a listen to a little bit of our conversation with Taylor. I would say that my dad, though, is, was always present. He was always a present dad. He coached all my sports. We, wow. you know, he was constantly there. Like, I was, there was never a question that, like, my dad didn't love me. Like, I always knew he loved me and he was always present. Um, but there was a lot of harder times in my growing up years. What I thought when I was younger is that those times, like his anger was because of financial reasons. Mm. I thought that our family didn't have enough money and that was true. (laughs) Um, And I thought that that's why he was upset. And I didn't find out until later that it was, there was a lot more happening under the surface. 